Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Matt Infante. I am joined by PFN Deputy Editor, Adam H. Beasley. Adam, a lot has happened since last week's pod. Um, but before we get into that, how was your trip to Houston? Oh, warm. <laughs> you know, uh, living in South Florida for the last, what has it been, 17 years now? Uh, you think it'd be used to heat. Um, it's different. Like, yes, it's humid, it's, but it's just a blast furnace after eight o'clock. It was really what differentiated Houston from South Florida. South Florida, these thunderstorms will roll through and you'll be all right. But uh, unrelenting, that Texas heat, and I was happy to get home. Happy to get home to where, what, it, it, it only feels like 100 is that, as opposed to 110, 120? You know, look, also, I was happy to go home and not run up the expense tab because someone on this call is the one who has to approve it. So I, I was very happy to see that. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, was also happy to see the first team offense um, come to life, I would say, in in Houston. So let, let's get into it. I said last week, um, and I want to start with Tua Tungavailoa, of course, because it all starts and ends with, with Tua. I said last week I thought there was no good reason, um, no good that could come out of playing Tua in the preseason. After the first two plays on Saturday, I was ready to say I told you so. I, I was ready in our group chat, send that message. But I might have been wrong, okay, to, to be fair. So it, it was an eventful 15 plays for Tua in the starting offense, to say the least. First live game action since Christmas Day. Uh, did a little bit of everything, right? He threw an interception. He tried to make a tackle, which I hope we never have to see that again. But based on how he's wired, I'm sure we will. Uh, he took a couple hits in the pocket. He also converted three third downs and led a 93-yard touchdown drive. Um, a drive that found, you know, the Dolphins found themselves backed up to the two-yard line after a broken play, high snap on the first play of the second drive. Um, so what do you think about what we saw from Tua and the first-team offense after what's been a prolonged stretch of, of uninspiring offense uh, in, in really dating back to the team scrimmage. So uh, you know how many practices I've been to in the last month? Uh, I want to say 15, 16, somewhere. I was going to get 16. Okay. So, well, I, I didn't go to a couple of Sunday practices cause I'm lazy. Uh, so I, I think they've practiced 16 times. I've been to 14 of them. Uh, and the offense looked like garbage, man. It just looks so bad. And then they come out uh, and start, disastrously as you mentioned throw I mean that's one of the worst picks I've ever seen to a throw to be honest I mean, it was really really bad um and you're like oh boy maybe something really is up and then they just mow them down it was just road grade them and it wasn't you know a lot of those Dolphins drives we talked about this I think last week are five plays and one of them is an 80 yard bomb uh you know Tyreek gets loose and it's a touchdown what was really encouraging to me is that was the opposite I mean to your point they had three to third down conversions um you were right. They were backed up to the two after a high snap. And 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 Connor Williams had a couple of bad snaps, actually, uh, yeah. on Saturday. So we can get into that if you want. But uh, to see them be able to sustain the ball, control the ball. And we talked about this. It's like you could have all the defensive talent in the world, but if they're on the field all the time, it's not going to work. It's just, you you know, you can get worn down and all that. So uh, it was really encouraging for me to see the offensive line look excellent, like absolutely excellent beyond a couple of miscues. Certainly, when they got in the second half, they don't have a ton of depth, and that depth was already tested because Liam Eikenberg and uh, and Teron Armstead and um, and then Robert Jones got hurt, so they were down three of their seven best offensive linemen. So you weren't going to have a bunch of really good depth late. Uh, but to see them be able to run the ball, I think they had 200 yards rushing in that game. Yep. To be able to to do that 
was great. It was what we'd been looking for all along. And it just proves that practices are so overrated, not for the players, but for an observation standpoint. We love these practice reports and we got to be there. We got to see what's going on. If there's news, if there's an injury. And I think you can get a sense as to who's going to make the team and who isn't. But from a continuity standpoint of how a unit looks, um, it isn't always telling how they look in practice uh, compared to how they look in the game. So uh, they were fine against the Texans in joint practice. They weren't great. Two had a couple of picks, I think, one of those practices. And then when Armstead got hurt, like it was like I blacked out the rest of the second practice. I was so, you know, I was so focused on one player that I really couldn't couldn't watch too much else. Uh, but they weren't exactly lighting the world on fire after he got hurt. And then they come out down two of their, as I said, best, seven best offensive linemen to start. Then they lose a third in Robert Jones. And they look fantastic. So uh, I'd. I guess the lesson is don't read too much into practice, but also we probably shouldn't read too much yet into the preseason either. I mean, yeah. they weren't, this was one that wasn't a big scheme game. Certainly uh, you asked you know, to get into this question. You asked, what is the advantage? I think the advantage for Tua is he knows that he can play football still. Right. I mean, the, he had thought about retiring uh, after that second concussion, second diagnosed concussion. And um, you kind of held your breath every time. And certainly you don't want your player, your best player to throw, a pick on the first play and get kicked in the back of the head while trying to make a tackle. And you don't want him on the second play to, to have a snap go over his head and three offensive, three defensive linemen converge on him at once. But at least you're not going to have experience that for the first time against the chargers when the games count. Yeah. And, and social media was a buzz too, about the way Tua fell on a couple of his, uh, the hits that he took in the pocket. And, <laughs> we everything. We analyze everything. I mean, there's, there's been falls over the last three years that have been perfectly normal falls for Tua. Yeah. So, uh, I, I the great it's going to be a storyline all year. So get sure. ready for it. Uh, sure, sure. We will see Twitter videos of cut up of Tua just falling. That, that will be something that, that invades our Twitter feeds. And we'll talk about it and then move on and then talk about it the next week and move on because it's going to be a storyline all year. Um, it, it, I guess it's encouraging to see, right? A couple of times he got knocked down, his head didn't slam the turf. That, that's it sounds great. like I can hear the wheels turning. You've got some ideas for PFN content here, like a, <laughs> a two of fall. We will not right? release a, a cut up of two of falling. I, I won't let that happen. That, that can't happen. But um, I guess before we move on to the rest of the offense, I wanted to ask you, uh, to uh, next week, would, would, would you play him? Is there anything to be gained from going into the game versus Jacksonville on Saturday? Or has have you seen enough? You've seen a little bit of everything. Like you said, we, we got to see him bounce back from adversity, got to see him get hit. All, all that's kind of, you know, played out. Are we now ready to put him in the bubble wrap until September 10th? Don't you read Pro Football Network? I've heard of it. I've heard of Pro Football Network. Well, By the way, you can get all of our Dolphins content at ProFootballNetwork.com <laughs> slash Miami hyphen Dolphins for all of Adam's wonderful content in one spot. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote an entire column about this, Matthew. And uh, I hope you, you read did. it. Yeah. I, uh, I did read it. Uh, did read uh, oh, it. so this was you just building dramatic effect. You already knew the I'm answer just to the question. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just trying to get to let the audience, you know, um, kind of feel more engaged by, by, by hearing you answer this, this great question of would you put him in? No. I, I know your answer. No, absolutely no. not. Absolutely okay. not. Because there is so much in a game. Like, he should not take another uncontrolled snap until September 10th. He's done enough of that, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Four joint practices, 15 plays on offense. There is nothing more to be gained. And, and okay, that's not entirely true. Yeah, I mean, he, he still knock some rust off and all that and get timing down. 
you're not going to do it with Jalen Waddle, who's probably not going to play in the preseason. So, uh, but all you're doing is putting yourselves at more risk uh, to lose a player that has had a, an injury history. So, no, I don't think there's any. I don't think the 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 the, the pros outweigh the cons of playing him, and I I would see a, a lot of Skylar Thompson and a lot of Mike White uh, against the Jaguars on Saturday. Uh, four more quarters of this godforsaken thing they call the preseason, uh, and then we can get to the real games. How much do you miss the fourth preseason game? <laughs> I can't tell you how much I miss it. Uh, do you think, by the way, that we are coming towards the end uh, of three preseason games and it's going to be two and 18 games yes. regular season? you think that's that, uh, that's on the horizon? I, I think that that will be – if it doesn't happen with the next CBA, it'll be kind of an amendment to this current one. I, I could see all parties involved um, kind of seeing the benefit there. Do you think your quarterback could make it through 18 games? I no comment. Oh, well, you no can comment. comment. That's what you're paid to do here, Matthew. Yeah, no, I I worry about 17 games. So, uh, yeah, I would worry a little bit more about 18 games for sure. So, that so said, though, I think if the protection holds up and, and we've seen a better offensive line, maybe he makes it through 17 games and, and a playoff run. So, I, I mean, yeah, certainly it, it's not a good feeling to, to be a fan of a team who – you have to worry about the quarterback's health like that. But um, at the end of the day, you know, the, the pros outweigh the cons with Tua and all that he can do when he's on the field, that you have to survive um, some scary moments with, with, with you know, the, the, the hits he takes in the pocket and outside the pocket and extending plays. And hopefully he learns a little bit to, uh, you know, preserve himself a bit. Somebody brought this up, and I think it was last week, uh, talking to some of the beat guys at joint practices. Well, if they go to 18 games, what you possibly might see is some players have like a maintenance program, like they get rest games, uh, which actually isn't a terrible idea because when you add, or if going from 17 to 18, you're, you're our numbers guy here at PFN. I don't know what that percentage is, maybe 6%, 7% uh, more games. That's six or 7% more chance of, of, of injury, of, of wearing down. Uh, and so the games are worth less because there's six or 7% more of them than there were. Um, Maybe you could see a, one of your top guys taking a game or two off in addition to the bye. Um, we see it a lot at the end of the season with teams that have, you know, the playoffs wrapped up. Uh, but we don't really see it so much now in the middle of the season. I think the Dolphins are pretty good about giving these guys an extra week to get healthy. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's an interesting dynamic that we'll see when we go forward, whether or not uh, how many players can actually play all 18 yeah, well, if they get into kind of a load management situation, too, in the NFL, imagine the implications on, on the betting world, mm-hmm. fantasy world. Um, it, it would certainly be an interesting development uh, if it ever came to that. Yeah, um, no, for sure. And you, you already see um, there used to be when like, there was four preseason games, old school, not even old school. I mean, I've only been covering the football, the NFL. I've worked for the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens from 2002 to 2005. Uh, I helped a little bit in the, the late aughts, <laughs> and then I took over the beat in 12. So this is more or less 16 or 17 seasons I've been around. And even when I, I think I started on the Dolphins, you knew what the template was. Uh, you know, may, m- maybe a, a series first preseason game for your starters, a quarter, quarter and a change for the second preseason game, and the third preseason game you play into the second half. Like that, you're, yep. you, yeah, you I remember just, that. Yeah. And, and, you, and you would want to see the team coming out of the, uh, out of the locker room, right? And, and at least the offense gets a possession in the second half before they give way. Yeah, they, they 
coaches have wisely rethought that because, I mean, really, so you have this third preseason game, then it's another, what, two weeks till the season starts? They don't play in the fourth preseason game, so it's two or three weeks, and it's it's it's. I think the gap is too great for that momentum to really mean anything. Um, and uh, they've wisened up. I mean, you, you see, I mean, they, a chain guy hurt. We'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, Robert Jones got hurt for the dolphins. Eric Saubert got hurt for the dolphins. And then you had some really scary injuries around the league this past week in these preseason games for what, for practice. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. And uh, you know, I, the conversation we often have uh, while we're watching uh, practices, like why, what other sport, is there a significant chance every time you practice, you're going to lose one of your best players for the season? Like Jalen Ramsey, that when he got hurt and was out for four months or whatever it is, he was a non-contact going to make a cut and trying to make a play. Uh, you don't see that in basketball. You don't see that in baseball where guys go down for the season um, in practice. So I wonder if there's a study that like nothing but walkthroughs except for maybe a week or two ramping up to the season. Uh, if, if those teams would end up being better, they might look a little rough for the first month of the season, but they have a higher likelihood of, of not being hurt and, and, and having your team together when it counts the most. It's, it'd be a fascinating study. Yeah, no, it, it certainly would be. Um, we'll, we'll see if they ever go or, or at least the 18th game gets proposed. I think all these kinds of discussions will end up um, you know, being had in the media and, and in locker rooms too. And coaches are going to have decisions to make about how they manage their guys if it goes 18 games. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you brought up yep. Robert Jones. So let's talk about the offensive line. Because um, one piece I did read of yours, Adam, was <laughs> that uh, on Friday you had the piece, uh, you had some quotes from Robert Hunt there about how the offensive line is, is further along this camp than in previous camps he's been a part of. And, and even the pessimist that you are, Adam, you wrote that the Dolphins should feel pretty good about the offensive line that showed improvement week over week in joint practices. Um, then on Saturday, we all saw an offensive line that that looked very competent. Uh, what did you see during the, the joint practices, you know, to kind of make you write that? And then I, I assume what we saw on Saturday was kind of uh, just confirming what your eyes told you in Houston during the joint practices. One man's pessimist is another man's realist, Matthew. So no, uh, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, I've been told I am overly optimistic, so that that is fair. You balance me out, and, uh, and, and our, our group chats, you, you know, that usually how it goes. I, I'm usually one way or the other, right? I'm overly, oh, this is the end of the world, or this is the greatest, you know, Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl, and then you always pull me back to the middle, and I appreciate that. You were having a heart attack play to play by play on Saturday, like you, the reaction that you had to that. It, it was hit. just not the start that I wanted to see. Okay. Season That's over, uh, six no, and eleven. I did, I did not. I did not say season over. I had c obvious concerns after that interception, and then that whatever that discombobulated next play was to open that that drive. So, concerns were were warranted. Yeah. So, uh, I I just think that they've got more pros uh, than they have in the past, and they have those pros in the right place. Like, um, you know, you 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 think back. I don't know, two, three, whatever years ago. Certainly 2019 was was rough, but um Isaiah wins a pretty good six or number six or seven offensive lineman. Like the odds of him winning that starting job aren't super high. I think Dark Horse to watch there at left guard, to be honest, is Lester Cotton. Uh I think I think Rob Jones had a chance, uh, now that injury is is, is gonna change that. But 
Um, when when Win and Eichenberg can't get on the field, it's an improved offensive line. And I think what's been encouraging has been uh, Austin Jackson. Again, I uh, a lot of this stuff I'm not going to. I've been burnt so many times by buying the hype of the Austin Jacksons of the world and all that. No, Igbenogany is another one that, you know, we, we see him look pretty good in practice and then, um, you know, it doesn't always translate to the games. But I do think that there's just depth is better than it's ever been that I can remember. Certainly, it, it all hinges on number 72 staying healthy, right? If Armstead is hurt, things are look different. But he didn't play in that game. They they, they hung in there. I do yeah, think Kendall it, Lamb I, looked looked fine. Yep. He, he looked competent, which, which is what you want from that swing tackle, right? Just, just look don't look at a place and he, he doesn't. And, and that makes you feel, you know, pretty comfortable heading right. into the season. So you mentioned lamb, Robert Jones, Isaiah Wynn, and Liam Eikenberg. All four of those guys are solid. I mean, Eikenberg has had some issues, but he hasn't been terrible uh, this summer. And none of those guys might start, right? Yeah. It's, it's entirely possible that, that n- none of those four are in the starting lineup to start the season. So uh, yeah, I just think they've, they've, they've got depth. Uh, I know Butch Berry uh, took some grief from his time in Denver, uh, but they've responded so far to him. Um, let's, let's not get too crazy, obviously. We'll see. <laughs> you might have heard the Chargers have some pretty good pass rushers, so I would like to see how they match up against those dudes before I start crowning these guys. But um, I do think that, by and large, and the, and the defense, we can talk about the defense in a minute, but the defense had some lapses on one drive, but... I mean, they've given up nine points in eight quarters now. A lot of those, you know, probably 80% of that time, those backups in there. But still, nine points in eight quarters is really good. And uh, they've made stops on fourth down, and and, and they've, they've shown up in the times they've had to. And, you know, it, I, I think that if this offense can just protect Tua enough to get the ball out in a second and a half, they're going to be fine because they have playmakers that – all they need is a second and a half to get open and find space and get downfield. So I think I saw on Twitter one of two his throws to uh, maybe it's Azukama. I have to go back and look it up. Yeah, yeah, the, the screen to Azukama. It was yep. two thirds of a second from the time the ball was snapped until the time the ball was to Azukama or out of to his hand because it wasn't a very long pass anyway. And that's kind of where they're going to live for 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 much of it. Um, and then if you know if, if these DBs crowd the line, they try to to jump those routes. That's when Tyreek will just roast them. Yeah, so you mentioned Isaiah Wynn. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. You mentioned he might not even start. I thought he did enough to kind of at least beat out Eichenberg. Um, you mentioned Lester Cotton. And I know there's been some buzz about Lester Cotton um, and where he's been practicing. We can't talk about it. But where he's been practicing <laughs> in practices, uh, perhaps with the first team or second team. Um, do you think th- that Cotton has a – legitimate chance to start i mean isaiah win i thought he, he he's shown enough to to be the guy there at left guard week one is lester cotton still in in the running to get that to get yeah it, i mean cer- certainly he is getting reps with players that would not be considered backups <laughs> we'll say that okay uh, i can't give away the, the, the store or uh, i'll get a phone call from the dolphins but um he is certainly in consideration i think there are four dudes that they wanted to give real hard looks at close looks at uh, unfortunately two of those dudes are hurt now in Eichenberg and and Robert Jones so it'll most likely be, tw- be either win or cotton playing in that spot in week one 
And I think they'll be fine with either of those guys. I don't think I, I people were having a panic attack um, April, May when the Dolphins uh, made all these splash moves that, you know, splash positions and, and didn't really address the offensive line. They did in depth ways. Uh, I think we should, should point that out. Um, but uh, maybe they had an idea that what they have is enough and they just needed better coaching. I get, uh, I, I do think it's telling that there's been seven offensive line coaches in six years, whatever it's been. Um, oftentimes bad players get mediocre coaches fired. Uh, and that may have been what kind of happened in Miami. Uh, but from a depth standpoint, I'm more confident now about that group than I've been in some time. Yeah, and it seems like uh, you mentioned Butch Barry. He should get a lot of credit, at least as much as you can give in the preseason. But it seems like all the players have been effusive in their praise of Barry um, whenever the offensive line talks to the media. So certainly the unit looked good. Uh, They opened up running lanes. And let's talk about this running back battle because if the first preseason game was the Miles Gaskin game, then Saturday's game should be known as a Savan Ahmed game. Um, with, with a little Raheem Mostert and Devon Achain mixed in, but Ahmed ran for 99 yards, caught four passes for 30 plus yards and a touchdown. The Dolphins have running back depth. Um, and they're also going to have some decisions to make now, probably coming down to Miles Gaskin versus Savon Ahmed. Um, wh- what do you make of the situation? Wh- what do you make of their ability to run the football with success in the preseason, which hasn't always been the case. And when it's not the case, it kind of has leaked in the regular season. So, could their ability to to actually run the football leak into the regular season as well, and we actually see some some steps forward here this year running the ball? You know, it's funny. Twenty four months ago, uh, before we even had an idea, Mike McDaniel was going to be Dolphins coach someday. Everyone was talking about how oh, this Niners running attack mastermind Mike McDaniel, this young guy, Yale graduate, and all that. Uh, and we didn't really see it last year too much. Uh, and I think part of the reason was they didn't trust it so much. And also part of the reason was they thought they were more efficient to a throwing Tyreek and Jill and Waddle the football. And I still think that's going to be the case, right? Uh, so long as you can protect your quarterback and he doesn't make mistakes like he did in the first play of the game, it's always going to be a more efficient play to throw the ball to two of the 15 best wide receivers in football, including maybe, maybe the best overall wide receiver there is out there. So that is going to always be more efficient. But there are going to be times that you're going to need to run the football. Um, And, you know, Buffalo is cold and New England is cold and uh, New York is cold. And uh, although they're they're playing in Germany, not Arrowhead, if you go to the playoffs, Arrowhead is cold and Cincinnati is cold. Like really what good team in the AFC, aside from the Dolphins, plays, you know, climate controlled, I guess. Uh, the Jaguars, Jacksonville, uh, yeah. Jacksonville, yeah, and and we'll see uh, if LA is a good team or not. But unless you pull one of those two teams uh, in the playoffs, you're going to need to run the football. And um, they didn't really have a lot of success against Buffalo last year, but that was a cluster game anyway because of you know Tua start and all and Tua being hurt and all that. Uh, but yeah, you're you're going to have to have some balance and you can't just drop back and throw the ball 65% of your snaps. And uh, I think it's very encouraging. Uh, I think they knew exactly what they had in their running backs when they lowballed Dalvin Cook. Uh, certainly it was not a position they were panicked about. Uh, it was a total luxury. If you get a guy like Dalvin Cook for pennies in the dollar, how do you not make that move? Uh, but we've seen certainly these two preseason games, the reason they were as confident as they were not breaking the bank for the guy. 
Yeah. And I was one of the ones, you know, I think we had this debate in the first episode that I wasn't necessarily, you know, in favor of adding Cook at the price he was asking for just because of this running back depth. And um, it'll be interesting to see which one. I mean, right now, does Ahmed have the leg up over Gaskin because of kind of the pass catching third down role? Um, How would you handicap that battle to be the last running back on the roster. Well, we got to have some full disclosure here. We're taping this about 20 minutes before Mike McDaniel talks to uh, reporters here in Miami. Uh, so we haven't gotten a Devon A-Chain update yet. Uh, what the Twitter docs are telling us is that, hey, he'll be back sooner rather than later. I would rather an actual doctor tell me that before I go on out on the limb and, and say that. Uh, if, if there's a chance he's going to miss significant time, uh, both those guys will make the team. If he's going to be back week two at the latest, there's going to be one of those two either cut or traded. And I think it's interesting that um, they have a backup quarterback and a backup running back that maybe some team might want to trade for. And we can talk about whether or not they should keep three quarterbacks, but they definitely should not keep six running backs, including a fullback and Alec Ingold. So um, all along, Ahmed's had the leg up. Look, Ahmed is fast. And I don't think we've kind of realized that until it was funny because he and A-Chain uh, they wear these faded white jerseys with the teal numbers and sitting up in the stands in Miami gardens. It's tough sometimes to make out one of the two of them. And that's a compliment to AJ. I mean, it's a compliment to, to Ahmed uh, because he's really fast. And like he runs fluid. He same body size. He's quick. Um, and AJ was one of the fastest players in the draft. So what does that say about Ahmed? So uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you that at this point it's, uh, the top two are obviously Mostert and, and Jeff Wilson. Uh, A-Chain is going to make the team. And he's He should make the team. He's going to be their primary kick returner um, and, and also a spot back. But I, I do think that right now I would take Ahmed over Miles Gaskin, and that's not a slight on Miles Gaskin. It's just that he's not the player Ahmed is right there right now. So uh, if the Dolphins can get a seventh-round pick for Miles Gaskin, they should absolutely take him. Yeah, um, I, I think the, the interesting comparison, Ahmed and A-Chain, you notice that they both have that acceleration. I think the difference is the long speed. A-Chain probably doesn't get caught on that long run mm-hmm. that Ahmed did. That's probably the the difference. But um, a, a lot of the times when I was watching the game on TV, had trouble noticing if it was 26 or 28 out there and trying to figure it out. And like you said, that's nothing but a compliment to, to Ahmed there. Um, one other roster battle here before we move on to the defensive side of the ball. Backup quarterback. We have to talk about it because Skylar Thompson got all the reps after Tua exited on Saturday, except for when he was forced out briefly to be checked in the medical tent and return. What do you make of the fact that it was the Skylar Thompson show, basically, um, once Tua left? And kind of what that means in his battle with Mike White to be the primary backup? A cynic would say it is a great showcase game <laughs> for a team who needs a backup quarterback. Uh, that's what a cynic would say, because I still think that Mike White will ultimately win that job. Uh, salary alone would give him the leg up. And uh, by and large, he had been the better quarterback over the course of the summer. Um, but it's funny, man, Skyler Thompson in the, in the preseason looks like Joe, you know, Joe Montana. It's crazy. I mean, he he looks fantastic in these preseason games, and he had a chance well, to – Week one was rough, right? He, he, he still had those, those slow operations, slow processing. Yep. He looked like a different guy. 
Yeah, he looked he looked like, look, he look like it two, makes sense you play with better players, right? Yeah, you look like 2022 uh, Skylar Thompson, and uh, yeah, absolutely, it helps that you're playing with starter starting caliber players and not guys that are going to get cut. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I think it was a great moment for him. I think that if he would have flopped, to your point about him being bad in week one, if he would have flopped, he definitely would have been cut. Um, and he probably would be coming back on the practice squad because there wouldn't been, I don't know how many teams have been eager to scoop him up. What's funny, like it's, it, you got to think about this is that there are going to be, whatever, anytime there's a rule change, there's unintended consequences. There's, you know, butterfly effect, whatever you want to call it. And uh, when they decided to change the quarterback rule back to what it was, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was, that you can have a third quarterback dress, but only play him if the first two uh, get hurt. Um, it probably means there will be more teams who keep a third. And it probably means a lot of players are going to get pushed down to the practice squad uh, that otherwise wouldn't. You're talking about 32 additional roster spots that are now going to disappear. It's not like they're adding a 54th player on the roster. There's still only 53. Uh, and so 32 more players that are that would otherwise be on active roster are going to be the practice squads. Now we're out of the league altogether. Um, I wonder if that factors into the Dolphins thinking because uh all right so what 90 to 53 is what 37 cuts that are going to happen uh, per team times 32 teams that's a thousand players thousand plus players um the odds of some some team identifying a player that isn't good enough to make your team but it'll make your their team better isn't super high so maybe the dolphins take a couple of risks maybe they try to squeeze some guys through that they otherwise wouldn't if they're determined like that's what the calculus has to be what which of these players is more likely to get claimed is it a you know skylar thompson or is it a seventh cornerback or a fourth tight end or a miles gaskin i mean which which one of those players is more likely to get scooped up although i don't think miles gaskin is particularly a um, a huge candidate to go to the practice squad, but that's, you know, it's the broader point is this, is that all these things are going to factor into the consideration as to whether or not the Dolphins keep a third quarterback. And if they do, what does it help them? I, I still think the depth chart is what the depth chart was when we talked last week Two obviously one Mike white two. but Skylar Thompson uh, was a distant third seven days ago. It's not that distant anymore. Do you suspect that they will split the third preseason game kind of equally or as close to equally, or do you think one's going to be weighted more than the other as far as their opportunities? Well, it'll be telling, right? If one plays four quarters, that means he's probably not in the team, right? Because you, it's like, it's like bizarro world in the third yeah. preseason game. The more you play, the less likely it is you're going to make the roster. So if you see Skyler for four more quarters out there on, on, on Saturday against the Jags, um, a pretty good chance that, that Mike White's the backup and he might be at risk of being cut. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and we've talked a little, you know, half hour now about the offense. Let, let's talk a little bit about the defense. Um, specifically in the defensive backfield, right? Um, I thought it was interesting to see Cater Kohu as the starting boundary corner opposite Xavier Howard in the, in the base package. And then Kohu is obviously going to kick inside uh, when they go nickel and dime. Probably a sign that Kohu is going to open a season as a boundary cornerback opposite Howard. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I, I starting is, I mean, they're going to all play. Uh, yeah. it, it's it, usage rate. And I think obviously Xavier is never going to come off the field and he shouldn't. Um, uh, I think probably Kohu won't come off very often. Maybe his usage is like 90%. Uh, 
And the question is, what do they do after that? Is who, who's who's the next one? Is it Igbenogany? I look. It's funny because he, when he got rusted, ro- roasted uh, uh, on that go route that I put in Twitter, and it got a billion <laughs> likes and retweets, and people dunking on Noah, which isn't super fair. Um, he's not a one-on-one corner. So, do you, are you telling the opposing offense then? that when Noah's on the field, it's going to be zone. Now, certainly with motion, you can determine almost instantly whether or not it's man-to-man or zone, but it can help the process earlier. You won't have to go to those lengths to, to have a team identify. Um, you know, Eli Apple's been fine. Cam Smith has been more than fine when he's been healthy. So mm-hmm. I, I think all five of those guys you're going to see on the field. Um, the question is, what, what what's the pecking order? How much are they going to play? Um, and I do think it's going to be very, very heavily package based. And the thing about the Dolphins is this, is that um, like, like safety, they've got some real depth, too. And I don't think we've talked much about Elijah Campbell. I think here he's going to see the field uh, this fall. Uh, kind of wonder if they're maybe regretting taking Brandon Jones off pup uh, because um, now do you have to carry him and then IR him if he's not ready? Uh, I mean, the season starts and. 20 days. Is that what it is? I mean, it's, we're getting close and, and, and Brandon Jones has gone the wrong direction. So maybe they made a mistake by taking him off a pup too soon. Anyway, uh, I think even without Jones, certainly Ramsey's a, a, a big hit. They have enough bodies, uh, in that back four five, six, whatever you want to call it, sometimes seven, uh, particularly because you're going to see one of the better pass rush defenses in football. And Vic is not going to put those guys at risk the way that Josh Boyer did. He's going to protect them a lot more. And I think you can see Noah do some good things in zone. I think that's that's what his strength is. Um, but I really doubt they're going to go zero blitz with Noah on the field. I, I think that's – we've seen time and time again that's just a bad equation. Yeah, the, the, the frustrating thing with Noah is he seems to be in position a lot, but he still gets beat, right? Mm-hmm. He, he He's there. He's, he's in the right spot, and the ball still finds its way to the receiver. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't. And then you brought up Elijah Campbell, and, and I thought it was interesting. There was at least one third down where he came in, and he took on the tight end one on one, and it reminded me of kind of the Eric Rowe r- role that we used to see, um, where he would take on tight ends, especially, especially in third down situations. And maybe Elijah Campbell um, is going to be on the field more than we're probably all talking about right now. Yeah, and I, I think Elliot's the more the enforcer, right? I mean, he's the guy that if you want, you know, big bodied and you're worried about maybe getting run on a little bit and um someone who's gonna I mean that's what really what Brandon Jones was. I mean he was a glorified linebacker. You very rarely I mean they were how often was that team too deep last year? Not often at all. Uh and when they're single high it's not going to be him, right? It's gonna be Javon. So uh, is there uh, maybe, maybe Elliot and Jones have similar roles and, and Campbell's more of the wild card. I, it'll be interesting to see how it plays it out because they have, I don't think they have a, a ton of high, high end talent at safety. Uh, but they have some versatile players that, that in, in, in certain situations, they're going to be able to make some plays. Yeah. Um, so few minutes left uh let's talk about 53 man roster and, and surprise cuts position battles i want to start with the receivers um cedric wilson played many more snaps than any other receiver uh, on saturday and i don't know what that means but it was 41 snaps next closest was river craycraft to 28 um is cedric wilson i i would imagine that they would love to trade him if they can 
is he pretty much locked in if they can't find the trade for him? Is he going to make this 53? Oh, you can't cut that guy. Right. I, yeah. yeah, he still has like $5 million guaranteed this year. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely on the roster. Um, I don't think they dislike him. I think they 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 wanted him to be their number two, and then they <laughs> he traded for Tyreek Hill a week later. Um, it was telling last year that the Sherfields and the Craycrafts were out-snapping him because uh, he's not going to out-snap Jalen and, and Tyreek, obviously. But um, it, it, they, there was something going on last year that even with adding Tyreek didn't solely explain his usage rate. Um, I, thing is this, is that I, I, I don't know of any of those other guys you're going to love. Like Barrios can have a role for sure. Um, you know, when he get when he gets moving downhill, uh, chosen's really quick. Like he's like, he, he can, he can be at times a guy that, that creates separation. You wouldn't, you wouldn't expect, but they're going to need big body targets in the red zone. They're going to. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of Wilson. They didn't, you know, unless, you know, um, unless Durham Smythe becomes the next, the second coming of John Mackey, I don't think they're going to throw the ball a ton to tight ends this year. Um, although Julian Hill, we talk about him maybe next podcast, if he makes the team might be an X factor a little bit, but um, Cedric's going to have a role. Is it going to be 60 snaps a game? Probably not. But my guess is he's their number three receiver right now. And they wanted to give him a, a long look in, in that second preseason game because he barely played last year. Yeah, and on your 53-man roster uh, projection that's out now on Pro Football Network, um, you have Craycraft as the odd man out there. I'm guessing he'd be receiver seven, just missing the cut there, and they're going to keep six. Um, do you think there's a world where he either beats out one or the other or the Dolphins keep seven, at least initially, through the first round of cuts and then look to uh, sneak him under the practice squad? Well, you have to think, if you're going to keep seven wide receivers – at least two, probably three of them have to play significant special team snaps. Right. And that's, and that's where these like, yeah, we'd love to keep all the pass catching targets possible, but you got to cover kicks. And Oh, by the way, that's been a concern this summer, like back to back games. Now they've got up long returns. So uh, who, who are those guys is going to be on special teams is the question. I don't know if chosen is going to be, you know, running down kickoffs. I don't think that's really, his forte and certainly saw said last year help out in the punt return game, but I think they have options. Like they like more at this point than that. Um, so who's going to be that guy. And I mean, I don't know, man, they just, they, that position's weird. They have Barrows to be on special teams for sure. Cause he's going to, he's, he's got some return game in him. Um, but I, I, I think there's going to be six just because they, they're going to need, they're, they're going to need their special teams players to come from cornerbacks uh, and linebackers and all that. And I'm, and I wouldn't keep R- river Craycraft over, you know, the, a, a fifth linebacker who's going to help you, uh, you know, make sure you don't get a 99 yard kickoff return every day, every game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And my, my final kind of thing here we wanted to bring up is surprise cuts. Are there any, um, and, and obviously everyone can go check out your 53-man roster projection right now, um, but what do you see as far as any potential surprise cuts next week when we get down to it? I, I don't know if surprise is the word, but certainly, I, you know, I, I think um, 
you're gonna you're gonna see a couple of guys like a Saubert, maybe maybe one of these offensive linemen that we think is better than they are. Like, you know, it might be the odd man out, but I think by and large, this roster has been set almost since April first. Like, certainly May first, since after the draft is you know they, they brought in a couple extra guys. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I do think that there are a handful of guys that would be quote unquote surprises, but the only reason they're surprises is because they're veterans, not because they're big money players. There's not a single, there's not a single guy on this roster to your point, like a Cedric Wilson, that would be an out of, out of coming from out of nowhere cut. Uh, they just don't have the, they don't have the, the financial wherewithal to, to, to have those kind of losses on their ledger. I mean, they're, you know, you got it. You, you, your money guys have to be on the roster at the very least, if not playing significant roles on the team. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's still some unanswered answer questions, the offensive line. There's still some unanswered questions at tight end. Um, you know, may, maybe there's, maybe there's a safety. We think it's on the team. That's not, but I, I wouldn't, I would be stunned if they cut Mike white, right? Like something like that would absolutely blow me away. I, 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 I think by and large, this roster is in pretty good shape. So when we get to next Tuesday, you don't think there's going to be any of those jaw dropping, holy crap, they, they cut this guy kind of if, moment. If it, if it is, it's for locker room chemistry and not for um, how they perform because there's no, there, there's no big money player that's been terrible that you would think, oh, this guy's, this guy's in danger. Okay. And, and, and one final note, I did see on your 53-man roster projection, you moved Brandon Peely onto the roster and um, – you know, I talked about him a little bit last podcast. Uh, one of my buddies has said that I'm a Brandon Peely truther because I've talked about him way too much for a fourth or fifth defensive lineman, and that's probably true. But um, I just he played 25 snaps on Saturday, which was more than anyone else in the D line, and I continue to be impressed by by him. And, and any kind of youth they can get there at defensive line, I, I think, is a good thing. So maybe I've been looking for someone like that to kind of step up, and I think Peely just has kind of taken that. And yeah. kind of played himself on the roster. He's separated himself from the Bronsons of the world for sure. I yeah, mean, he is. He 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 is. I mean, they, let's let's be honest. He was undrafted, but they gave him some money. It wasn't like this was like a five thousand dollar bonus guy. Uh, this was someone they targeted. They wanted to sign, and it looks like it might be a hit. Okay, we will see. So Saturday they play in Jacksonville. We will be back here next week to talk about everything, um, including the the roster decisions. As the preseason mercifully winds down, um, and, and Adam could not be happier about that. Um, remember, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's available on all podcast platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. Hit the like button. That'll help us. And like I said, all of our Dolphins content is at profootballnetwork.com slash Miami hyphen Dolphins. Um, so we will see you back here next week on the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. <laughs>